0: From Madison, Wisconsin in the United States of Global Hegemony, it's Didactic Syncast, with your host Eric P. So powerful.
1: Hello, Earthlings, and welcome to the Didactics and Cast, your overview of everything important on the planet Earth. I'm Eric S. Piotrowski, a.k.a. Duke Scath in the world of video games and Twitter, a.k.a. Scartol in the world of Wikipedia and Reddit. Today is Saturday, the 20th of April, 2013. On this show, I bring you a range of news stories, historical and literary perspectives, and my opinions on topics like current events, war, human rights, economics, education, hip-hop, music, and killer robots. So buckle up and let's get started. A brand new kid to show biz. With I persevere, but do me a favor. Let me Back in the manic mode, baby. Uh I sometimes struggle with some mood swings from time to time. You might call it some sort of manic depressive episodes, but they're not very severe. Uh but they are annoying and um The past few days, like four or five days, uh, I've been in a pretty nasty funk and uh, moping around, and just you know finding it hard to smile or laugh about things. And those people who know me know that that's pretty unusual. So when it it, it, once it'll happen once in a while, but if it if it drags on for several days, it's kind of worrying. So it's over. Uh, I'm pretty much back in the positive zone again. And uh, I thank everybody who showed their concern, especially, you know, the Diane and um, all the people at school. So I appreciate that. Thank you for being there for me. It really is the type of thing where it's just a matter of time passing and I'll get out of my funk and I'll realize how lucky I am. And, uh, you know, all the positive things and meditating helps and all that stuff. So whatever. It's over with. One of the things that sometimes (laughs) depresses me is this thing I do in my classrooms called, uh, I call it the morality interrogation. And basically, I have a bunch of stuff on the board that says, you know, would you do this for this amount of money? Would you do that for that amount of money? And it was inspired by Michael Moore's TV Nation. He had a TV show a while back. And uh, on there, one of the things, you know, then they go to commercial. They'll put little fun facts up on the board. And uh, so at one point they said, the announcer comes on, he goes, certain percentage, I don't remember what percentage it was, let's say 63% of Americans said they would punch themselves really hard in the face for $20. And I've always thought that was a pretty sad statement because it says that people care more about money than they do about their dignity. So I asked that and a bunch of other questions about, you know, would you, you know, punch a stranger in the face? Would you make a child cry? Would you, you know, do all these nasty things? And, And a lot of times they're quite bold with their willingness to do nasty things to themselves and to other people for money. And I always try to reinforce the thing about like, you know, your conscience might haunt you about that. And they tend to not, you know, there's only a few that will do the most nasty stuff. There's a thing about, you know, would you kill a puppy for a million dollars and stuff? And, and, and none of us knows exactly what we would do if the money were in front of us, an actual person with a briefcase. I understand that. But it's also a good chance for me to ask them, like, okay, everybody gets outraged. Like, how could you even consider killing a puppy? What's wrong with you? And then I say, okay, all of you who are so outraged about the puppy, how many of you would be willing to kill a kitten? And at least three or four of them, oh, yeah, I'll kill a kitten. Oh, Sure. And there's some people who are outraged about that. And then I say, okay, what about a rabbit? And they're still outraged. Okay, what about a rat? And we, you know, we trace it back. And and it's a good way for us to just discuss the philosophical implications of killing animals. Um So I find it very interesting. And but it's it's sometimes is sad that people you know, the people who talk the most during those discussions are the ones who are most um <clears throat> Willing to betray my morality. Now, obviously, I'm not saying my morality has to be everyone's morality, but it's, uh, it's pretty shocking when some people are like, oh, yeah, just push the kid down and step on his face, and you'll get your $200 or whatever. And I'm always like, dude, listen to yourself. That sounds horrible. I'll tell you what, go home and tell your parents what you said here in class today and see how they react. I don't think they'd be cool with that. Um, Anyway, this week's action. You should take some action to stop the execution of Abdullah al Qatani in Iraq. This is an Amnesty International online action. And uh, I can't read you the thing because I already took the action. Damn you, Amnesty! But uh, basically there's this guy in Iraq who, along with some other guys... Uh, was arrested on suspicion of maybe being part of Al-Qaeda, and they were tortured, they were burned, they were asphyxiated, all these horrible things going on, and their confession, quote-unquote, is totally illegitimate. It should not be accepted. They should not be executed. So take a second to go to my website, fbesp.org, slash synapse, and there's a link there right at the top of this post. Stop the execution of Abdullah al-Qahtani in Iraq. Take a minute. Fill out the online form. It could happen any day now, so we really need people to... Uh, Step up and do something about it. Uh yeah, let's talk about what's going on in the world. It's been a hideous freaking week. This is a good week for me to be depressed. There's been a lot of horrible stuff going on. Uh, There's a shooting in D.C. The president had ricin sent to him. There were explosions in Boston and in Texas, uh, and there were explosions in Iraq, and people got killed in all those places. Uh, really a hard time to keep your faith in humanity. There's a great image that went around the Internet that I forwarded on Facebook and some other places. Uh, from Mr. Rogers, it said... Um, and for those who don't know, Mr. Rogers is this awesome host of TV series uh, in the United States called Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. You probably know who he is. Anyway, it said, uh, "Whenever I used to see things on the news that were sad or upsetting, my mother used to tell me to watch for the people who are going to help, because you'll always find people who are helping in those situations." And uh, you know, the implication, of course, is that those people can restore your faith in humanity. And Pat Oswald had a good thing too about. Um, the, we, the good people will always outnumber the crazies or the violent people or whatever it is. Uh, and it's just so sad to see what happened in Boston. Uh, the two guys apparently are Chechen, and they robbed a convenience store right after they did the thing, and they got caught on the security footage and all this crazy stuff. And the one dude's apparently, like, clinging to life. The second guy got killed, but uh, the one dude's clinging to life, and so they're hoping that he can come around and tell people, What the hell are you thinking? What is wrong with you? Um, so my hearts go my heart goes out to the uh, victims and the families in Boston and in Iraq and in Texas uh, when it comes to the explosion in Texas you know it took place at this place um, called it was called like Texas uh, fertilizer company or it's got a really boring name West fertilizer company uh, and and you know as soon as it happened I told I said in the lunchroom where I was eating with the teachers I said you know what I bet uh, I'll bet we're going to find out that the company's violated safety regulations a- any day now. And it's sure enough, as soon as I went back to my classroom, I looked it up, and it did. Texas company fined by the EPA in 2006 for failure to have an adequate emergency plan. Uh, there's also a uh, – so that's a Huffington Post article. But you know what? They got a lot of really good links. And some people have an attitude of, like, Huffington Post, oh, whatever. They They just – It's a leftist news organization. And you know what? Hey, there's some validity to that, I suppose. But they give a lot of links to the things that they're citing. Uh, So, yeah, go check out the article on HuffPo about that. And uh, Democracy Now! had a piece, a segment about the Texas explosion. Um, reporter Mike Elk of In These Times Magazine joins us to discuss the plant safety record and the troubling regulatory environment for workplaces in Texas and nationwide. The Occupational he- Safety and Health Administration, OSHA, has not inspected West Fertilizer Company in five years, and the EPA fined the plant in 2006 for failing to have a risk management plan. Elk says OSHA is understaffed and underfunded nationwide across all industries. So this is part of that whole, like, cut government, government's the problem, yeah, yeah, yeah. The result is that organizations like EPA and OSHA don't have the capacity to monitor the places that they need to be monitoring to make sure that they're not operating in an unsafe way and those unsafe practices then result in 15 people being killed when the goddamn factory blows up. All Alright, let's talk about something that will make me less angry. North Korea! North Korea, what the hell is wrong with you? Stop threatening nuclear war! Jesus, there's got to be a better way to get your popularity ratings up. Kim Jong-un, Dengus. Uh, So anyway, Business Week had this really good Q&A with uh, a guy named David Kang, professor of international relations and business at the University of Southern California and a co-author of Nuclear North Korea, a debate on engagement strategies. And so here's what he says in this interview. Kim Jong Un is playing to two audiences: an international and a domestic audience. Internationally, the North Korean regime is saying to the U.S. and the Republic of Korea, which we often call South Korea, uh, "If you hit us first, we'll hit us back. We'll hit you back." To his own people, he is saying he is in control and that the regime will not give in to foreign pressure. That everything is fine. That's why he goes to basketball games with Dennis Rodman and amusement parks with his pretty young wife. The question then is, what potential threats does North Korea pose and to whom? And this guy says, very interesting, he said, North Korea can destroy Seoul, the capital of South Korea, tomorrow if it chooses. So that's a real threat. Deterrence has held for 60 years because both sides realize the costs of a real war. Seoul would be destroyed and North Korea would cease to exist. For all the hype about the last few months of chest thumping and muscle flexing, it's important to remember two things. First, if you read the North Korean statements in full, they are saying, if the US or Republic of Korea attack us first, we will fight back not we will attack you first which is often how they are interpreted and second we believe them that's why there are no preemptive strikes on North Korea so but here's the point every piece of reporting I saw in the US and other news sources even in the you know the Guardian or whatever they always just said North Korea says they're going to n- launch missiles at you know Austin Texas or whatever and don't get me wrong that's worth reporting but it's not fair to pretend like North Korea is saying we're just going to lash out and bomb people because look Here's the thing, I don't, I'm don't. i not trying to legitimize North Korea, I'm not trying to apologize for it, I had students who were like, you're saying we should do nothing, that's not what I'm saying, but here's the thing, look, we are constantly doing military exercises with the Republic of South Korea, and maybe we have a good reason to do it, because we're scared North Korea will do something stupid, and they have done stupid things, and they've killed people, there was an attack a couple of years ago when North Korea killed people on a fishing boat, so, I mean, there's something to be said for having a U.S. presence there, perhaps, I would like there to be an international presence, rather than just a U.S. presence, but whatever. My point is that if China started conducting war games with Mexico on the border of Arizona, you don't think we'd start talking about launching nuclear weapons? People look at North Korea as like some sort of insane lunatics, and I mean, in a way, they are, of course. But it's not as though—I mean, look, I, you know, Kurt Vonnegut said, uh, when we lead up to in the lead up to the Iraq War, he wrote an article, to the, a letter to the New York Times that said, "Only one nation in the history of the world has ever used nuclear weapons." Signed, Kurt Vonnegut, and that's something we ought to remember because. I mean, again, I'm not saying that North Korea is is justified or that they're sane or that they're sensible or anything, but we have to look at what we've done to make people nervous. And the use of nuclear weapons in the past combined with our argument of preemptive attack in Iraq makes a lot of nations around the world very nervous about what we might do, and it legitimizes that tenet of 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 preemptive attack legitimizes the notion of attacking somebody before they even attack you which is the only time you're ever allowed to use force according to the United Nations declaration or the charter of the UN so it's totally hypocritical for us to say, like, oh, North Korea better stop threatening things when we, through our actions in Iraq and elsewhere, have made it clear that we are willing to attack people first. And it's all just a big kerfuffle and a big mess. And I'm glad to see that it's calming down. Because uh, I get scared. I'll be honest, man. I saw those headlines. It's like, North Korea says that it's putting its missiles on standby. North Korea says it's doing this. and North Korea says it's doing that. And I want to see... I want to see nuclear disarmament around the world. But the United States government has fought against that at every turn. So it's, it's, it's a little hypocritical, I think, for people in the United States to get suddenly horrified about nuclear war only when it is North Korea that's talking about us. We have to look at what our government does to help the cause of nuclear disarmament or not. And if you look at the record, we haven't done a good job in advocating or taking steps toward nuclear disarmament around the world. Meanwhile, uh, Margaret Thatcher died recently, and I was a bit glib, I think, on the Veteran Gamers show about that, so I'll I'll, I'll apologize for being callous about Margaret Thatcher. It is, I mean, Chinny pointed out, I agreed at the time, that it is a tragedy when any human being dies, and I I don't like to celebrate, you know, when, when Osama bin Laden was killed, there were people in the streets of the United States... They were cheering and they were dancing, USA, USA. And I've seen images of people in the UK partying about Margaret Thatcher and, you know, burning her in effigy and stuff. And, like, I, I think that's, you know, more than anything, I think it's important for us to recognize our humanity with all people, no matter who they are, no matter how much we disagree with them, even no matter how much evil stuff they've done. And, you know, Osama bin Laden and Margaret Thatcher, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to set up a an equivalence between Margaret Thatcher and Osama bin Laden. Obviously, Thatcher was the more horrible person. But my point is, you get that? It's a joke. It's funny. Uh, but, but I didn't like Margaret Thatcher. So um, I'm going to play a clip from Tariq Ali, was speaking about her on Democracy Now! Tariq,
2: uh, can you talk about the legacy of Thatcherism for the working class in Britain? well uh, basically she took on the workers movement which had become very strong trade unions were very powerful in this country and they were effectively uh, challenging capital by demanding a share of the take of, and and being quite successful the miners union one of the most respected uh, unions in the country challenged her she organized the state the use of the police use of the secret services to 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 defeat them. And she did it, and she referred to union militancy as the enemy within. She was very hot on enemies, either abroad or at home. And that phrase, the enemy within, has been used subsequently against dissidents of other sorts by her successors.
1: Uh, can you talk about her foreign policy from the Falklands War, and we only have a minute, uh, to her s- support of the apartheid regime, calling Nelson Mandela a terrorist?
2: Well, she did call Nelson Mandela a terrorist, but one should remember that the Western governments as a whole were not at all friendly to the ANC, sustained and maintained apartheid, with a few exceptions in Scandinavia, throughout it. And Thatcher was upfront about it. Her foreign policy uh, was deeply conservative and reactionary, and that foreign policy has not changed uh, since she uh, was forced out on Europe. Europe is still a big, big divisive issue in the country. Country and within the Conservative Party as a whole. And so, on every level, Amy, domestic level, international level, Thatcherism continues. One shouldn't imagine that it's over. And I hate to say this, but the fact that we haven't come up or no one has, neither the center left or anyone else has managed to come up with an alternative to the Wall Street crash of 2008 does indicate that there was some truth in her statement that there is no alternative, at least as far as the mainstream is concerned.
1: So, I, again, like, I, I, you know, I, I don't like her. I thought she was a horrible leader. Uh, And she didn't like gay people either. Uh, I found a quote, no, this is a speech about gays, here, I'll play this. This is Margaret Thatcher talking about gay people.
0: Children who need to be taught to respect traditional moral values are being taught that they have an inalienable right to be gay. All of those children are being cheated of a sound start in life, yes, cheated. (laughs)
1: Okay, well, if you think that it's okay to be gay, then you're cheating children out of a sound start in life. Thanks, Margaret. Anyway, um, prayers to your family and whatever. Uh, okay, so let's talk about fracking because there's been a couple of things I found about fracking this week. Uh, this guy named Ed Rendell, he was the governor of New York. Or Pennsylvania, excuse me, the governor of Pennsylvania. Uh He wrote a pro-fracking opinion piece, and he did not mention that he has been uh, working with and receiving money from uh, fracking industrial groups. So there is an interesting piece in ProPublica, which is a really good research organization, and the headline is More Than a Matter of Opinion. Former Governor Ed Rendell fails to disclose industry ties in pro-fracking opinion piece. Former Pennsylvania Governor Ed Rendell took to the New York Daily News op-ed page Wednesday with a message to local officials. Stop worrying and learn to love fracking. As New York Governor Andrew Cuomo agonizes over whether to allow the controversial natural gas drilling technique, Rendell invoked his own experience as a Democratic governor who presided over a fracking boom. New York State, Rendell argued, has a major part to play in the nation's fracking revolution, and it can do so safely. he rejected what he called the false choice of natural gas versus the environment, quote. What Rendell's passionate plea failed to note was this. Since stepping down as governor in 2011, he has worked as a paid consultant to a private equity firm with investments in the national gas industry. So if people stand to, you know benefit from expansions of natural gas, that's at least something they need to admit when they go to talk about the issue. It's like when I talk about teaching and education reform or, you know, how I feel about Governor Scott Walker. First of all, I don't even talk about it in my classroom, for instance, because there's a clear conflict of interest. And if I, whenever I write in public about things, I'm like, look, I'm a member of the union. I pay union dues. I was paid to maintain the union's website for a while, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Like, I'm going to make my connections to to, you know, my various economic interests, clear. Now, I don't get money from a whole lot of people, so there's not much to reveal there, but uh, whatever. Meanwhile, uh, another dude who wrote, was, uh, fracking's great, and he didn't uh, indicate that he had been getting money from fracking. Uh, so the headline in, is the independent? Yeah. In the independent, the headline is, my fracking study was fully independent, says professor. The lead author of a report which compared seismic activity caused by fracking to the energy produced by someone jumping off a ladder insisted today that his study was fully independent of big energy companies. Professor Richard Davies of Durham University, who has previously worked in exploration for ExxonMobil, said it was vital that academics in the field had direct experience in the industry. The study found that only three earthquakes able to be detected by humans had caused had been caused by fracking, in which shale rock is blasted with water, sand, and chemicals, despite the drilling of hundreds of thousands of wells since 1929 but campaign group frack off claimed that the, and it's hard to take them seriously yeah we used to speak on behalf of the earth what's the name of your organization frack off yeah um that kind of dilutes your credibility a little bit yeah well frack you i see what you did there it's a very clever play on words with the word frack yeah it sounds like a bad word that starts with f yeah thanks do you have any other points you'd like to make frack you Anyway, uh, campaign group Frack Off claimed that the peer-reviewed study published in the journal Marine and Petroleum Geology today demonstrated that universities had been, quote, hijacked by the industry PR machine mirroring the so-called fracademia row in the United States. Get it? Fracademia? It's like another play on words. The Durham Energy Institute, of which Professor Davies is director, boasts a number of private partners from the energy sector, including the part Chinese state-owned... IGAS, which has raised 23.1 million pounds to fund exploration for shale gas in northwest England this summer. The company also owns licenses to drill in the Chancellor George Osborne's constituency of Tatton. Now, I know some of those words, but that last sentence made no sense to me. Um, So this is something that uh, Charles Ferguson talks about in Predator Nation, which is that, you know, the coarse, vulgar way for industry to get their voices heard is to have their PR spokesman just go out into the world and say fracking's great. There's no problems with fracking because if, if Bob Smith, you know, Bob, the businessman goes out and said, Hey, there's nothing wrong with fracking. Just do it and shut up. Then people will quite naturally and quite rightly ask, well, wait a minute. Who's this guy? He's just a spokesman for the industry. We don't trust him at all. Get out of here. But if the industry organization can fund academic research that happens to show that fracking is great then there's a middleman there's there's some confusion there's some uncertainty about whether the industry's really funding it or not and this is true in the financial services industry this is why charles ferguson says that so many people in academia who talk about the financial sector deregulation talking about um, uh, uh... trading derivatives and and you know all the stuff that caused the 2008 collapse The people who have argued for that stuff so powerfully and at such a high volume for decades now, they are often funded by the industries that stand to benefit from them. And it's, again, it's that indirect funding that takes longer to investigate and is much more uncertain than if the industry just comes out and says, here's what we think. So it's a much more insidious process because it's harder for us to, you know, trace the roots of the funding, and yet that's absolutely essential for us to figure out what the truth of these very, especially these very complex issues. Wall Street, the stuff on Wall Street is very complicated. I don't want to pretend like fracking is a simple issue. It's not. But the dangers are so severe that we've got to put some brakes on this. Uh, Jason uh, sent me an article about fracking and water consumption. Thank you, Jason, for that. Uh, it's it, There's a lot in it. Um, and, I, again, it goes to show that there's a very... Uh, large series of problems and issues involved with fracking. The takeaway of that article is that fracking tends to use less water than other forms of energy creation. However, uh, on a local level, it can really mess up a local community. Um, so, yeah. And, no, you know, hey, look, I'm not going to be these here. Coal is so much better than fracking. Obviously, coal sucks too. Nuclear-free, carbon-free, baby. Listen to the Wisconsin Network for Peace and Justice. You like that, Duchess? Sending you shout-outs. Uh, the US now if only I would do that survey you said for me to do. Uh, the US ranks near the bottom of a UNICEF report on child well-being. Woo! We're number 1, by which I mean near the bottom. Uh this is from where is this from? This is from salon.com. The United States ranked in the bottom 4, the bottom 4, yes, of a United Nations report on child well-being. Among 29 countries, America landed second from the bottom in child poverty, ha <laughs> ha, and held a similarly dismal position when it came to child life satisfaction, keeping the US company at the bottom of the report which gauged material well-being, overall health, access to housing and education were Lithuania, Latvia, and Romania, three of the poorest countries in the survey, end quote. But you know what? I would like to know, United Nations report on child well-being, how much did you survey other nations about child freedom? Because I'll bet no other children around the world are as free as children in the United States. They, we, more children here probably open their own businesses than any other country in the world. Uh, you know, so how about that's important, Right. Speaking of freedom, a filmmaker, uh, this is actually in the UK, so we can't claim credit for this awesome victory. The headline is, uh, and this is uh, from The Independent, Telegraph. Uh, Filmmaker tries to live homeless, comma, freezes to death very sad story mr halpin a New- newcastle university graduate had planned to spend a week experiencing life on the streets and on sunday the night before he embarked on the project he made a video in which he said he wanted to quote, immerse himself in the lifestyle however the newcastle university graduate also spoke about how it had caused trepidation among his friends and family Quote, I am about to go and spend a week being homeless in the West End of Newcastle, he said. I will sleep rough, scrounge for my food, access all the services that other homeless individuals in the West End use. I will interact with as many homeless people as possible and immerse myself in that lifestyle as deeply as I can, end quote. And it's a hideous tragedy that he froze to death, apparently, in his attempt to live as the homeless live. But it should also remind us how many homeless people are dying from the cold in the UK and in the United States, and I dare say it's probably a much larger number in the United States, but we look at the homeless as being deserving poor or who cares. They, they're they being lazy. They choose that lifestyle, and uh, it makes me sick to think how how difficult it is for homeless people. And I've never been homeless, and I can only imagine how rough it must be. Uh, it just makes me really sad. Pentagon calls off new metal for drone, cyber warriors. Um this is from Google News but it's hosted for uh, Agence France Presse and uh, I, I saw it in a lot of other places as well. Defense Secretary Chuck Hagel on Monday canceled a new combat medal for U.S. troops who launched drone strikes or cyber attacks after a torrent of criticism from veterans and lawmakers. The now canceled medal had provoked outrage among active duty and retired troops who called it insulting due to its high ranking in the military's hierarchy of traditional combat medals above the prestigious Bronze Star for Valor and the Purple Heart. And I don't really have an opinion about that, but I just think it's interesting that... Um, I I don't want to comment on the ranking of different medals. I don't have any idea about what should be more worthy of higher rank or not or whatever. Um, But, again, I I think we have a false split in in our minds about what people who fly these drones do in much the same way that, no, I don't have an analogy. Never mind. I don't have an analogy. Uh, But, you know, I, I linked to an article a while ago about a drone operator who uh, is suffering from post traumatic stress disorder. And he's seen that the article talked about, and I, I'm repeating myself, sorry, but those who haven't heard the earlier shows, uh, that, you know, pe- people who fly these drones in a odd way get closer to the enemy than a lot of other people in the military because they're seeing this very close up video footage every day, watching these people hour after hour, day after day, week after week. And in a way, uh, that can affect people in a way that's different from uh, being in active duty, you know, on patrol, et cetera, et cetera. Now, again, I'm not trying to hierarchize. That's not a word. Uh, I don't want to make a hierarchy of who, you know, deserves a more high-ranking medal or whatever it is. Uh, I just think it's an interesting... It's news story. That's it. Uh, also interesting and much more amusing, uh, Pervez Musharraf runs out of the courtroom. This is awesome. This is straight out of uh, irishtimes.com. Former Pakistani President Pervez Musharraf ran from an Islamabad courtroom on Thursday after judges ordered his arrest, dealing a fresh blow to his fast-fading hopes of reviving his political career at next month's general elections. The order pushed Pakistan's judiciary. Uh, this is about a... He had a struggle with the judiciary, and he had basically... Uh, force the judges to rubber stamp some policy of his. The order pushed Pakistan's judiciary in uncharted territory challenging a long-standing unwritten rule that the top ranks of the army are untouchable the order for his arrest uh, Muhammad Amjad, Secretary General of Musharraf's All-Pakistan Muslim League Party said Musharraf's lawyers would lodge an appeal against the arrest order speaking of people trying to revive their political careers racy twitter pics aren't anthony weiner's only problem this is from business week and if you don't know about anthony weiner and i imagine maybe people across the pond don't this you probably heard about him his his name is anthony weiner so there you go right there uh and he had sent some pictures of his wing-wang over twitter and that got him in a lot of trouble and he had said that it's i can't verify whether that's my wing-wang or not and just all this crazy stuff. Uh, the fact that Wiener can can even consider a comeback and be taken seriously by the likes of the New York Times is further evidence to support my contention that the political sex scandal as automatic career ender is a thing of the past. But that doesn't excuse a disgraced politician from the basic demands of running for office One reason Wiener has so few friends is that most members of Congress, including his fellow Democrats, regarded him as chiefly concerned with his own aggrandizement. He spent more time shouting at Republicans on cable television than legislating. Okay, so is he fit for office? Does he have anything important? What what is his platform? Like, why should we vote for him? Okay, that's a good point. And it's much more important, I think, to talk about that than stupid things he did with his Twitter feed. But I want to ask this. Isn't shouting on cable television basically a prime requisite for politicians these days? Isn't that something they're supposed to do? Uh, And also on a high note, and this will end the current events section, uh, I found this great thing on Business Week about health hazard jokes in China. There's so many health threats in China. All you can do is laugh. China shows little tolerance for political dissent on the internet, scrubbing criticism of top leaders and the party, for example. And if it thinks rumors on the web will be socially destabilizing, the country cracks down quickly. When it comes to indirect barbs and black humor, however, the censors often simply ignore them. We called a handful of jokes posted recently on microblogging service Sinha Weibo that deal with China's health and environmental perils. Shanghai versus Beijing. The Beijinger proudly says, we are the most fortunate. We only have to open the window and we get free smokes. The Shanghai knees quickly retorts, what's so special about that? We turn on the tap water and get pork rib soup. Heads you win, tails I lose. Question, how do I guard against smog? Expert, stay at home as much as possible and don't open the window. Question, how do I prevent avian flu? Expert, open the window often for ventilation. Damn, either way we're dead. The two best ways to safeguard against bird flu. One, drink a lot of water. Two, keep the air flowing. People living in Shanghai, please ignore number one. People living in Beijing, please ignore number two. So there you go. That's what life is like in China. Keep on laughing till the paramedics come. Respect the money, dollar dollar bill. I'm still making progress on this dark pools book and there's been some interesting things I've noticed in it. Uh, they, at one point the author describes the, uh, the f- high frequency trading thing as a massive online casino. Uh, there's a, a part where they talk about the people who are making this one, uh, trading outlet, uh, being loved and hated by the, uh, the traders that they're working with. And at one point they go to the stock exchange and they're flinging frisbees and stress balls at the traders and the traders are cheering them and booing them at the same time. And I just love that notion of people being in love with them and angry at them and hating them at the same time as, you know, representative of this sort of schizophrenic relationship between the one group and the other. Uh, Anyway, speaking of high frequency trading, uh, there's a thing at prospect.org that said, are academics for higher influencing the high frequency trading debate? Last week, Professor Charles M. Jones, a noted economist at Columbia, published an opinion piece in Politico claiming to enlighten readers on the realities of high-frequency trading. The Politico piece and a longer academic-style article were published simultaneously. These articles catalog existing claims of the benefits of high-frequency trading and dismiss concerns of the potential harm of such activity. Perhaps the most important bit of information does not appear in the articles. It can be found at the very end of the press release by Columbia Business School announcing the article, quote, The research was supported by a grant from Citadel, LLC. The interest of Citadel on the subject is clear. Citadel is one of the largest HFT firms. Its funds returning as much as $1.1 billion a year from the business. So, imagine this. I mean, you know, it's the snot burglar again. The snot burglar is back. Uh, If, if... (laughs) If I got money from the snot burglar and and I talked about like fracking sucks, what we should do is use the snot burglar to generate energy. Uh and that would help to eliminate our environmental and our economic woes. Wouldn't it wouldn't you want to know if I'm getting money from the snot burglar? Of course you would. Da! Ah! Well, fortunately, Uh, Everything that's published in snotburglar.com, the website about the news about the world, uh, everything there is independent, and you can trust all the news sources there. And all the experts have no connection to big business. So just go to snotburglarnews.com and check out their news reporting because it's all 100% independent and accurate. You can trust me. You can't tell, but I'm smiling real big right now. Ding! It's like a, a, a gleam of positivity coming off my teeth. You could trust me. Um, Business Week had a thing about U.S. taxes versus everywhere else—a visual guide—and uh, there's a really interesting overview of how U.S. taxes work and comparing it to the rest of the world. And I, I, it's really good. Check it out. It's worth reading. Uh, True, the 39% U.S. corporate tax rate is the world's highest, but that's mostly on paper. Numerous breaks reduce that rate, and they talk about, as other people have talked about, how a number of U.S. corporations in recent years haven't paid any tax at all, and they shelter their funds in offshore accounts, and there's all these loopholes and stuff, so whatever. That's it for Economics. don't worry i got like three pages of education stuff to make up the difference grand jury indicts 35 teachers and administrators in georgia cheating scandal this is it people this is the logical consequence of all these high stakes tests and it's happening in dc and michelle Ree probably knew about it Anyway, let's talk about Georgia first. 35 Atlanta public school educators and administrators were indicted Friday in connection with alleged cheating and standardized testing, one of the largest cheating scandals to hit the nation's public education system. This is from CNN.com. And as they proved in Boston, they can they, their reporting is totally above board among those indicted by a Fulton County Georgia grand jury was Beverly Hall the former school superintendent who gained national recognition in 2009 for turning around Atlanta's school system the alleged cheating at Atlanta public schools is believed to date back to early 2001 according to the indictment when standardized testing scores began to turn around in the 50,000 student school district according to the indictment Hall placed unreasonable goals on educators and quote protected and rewarded those who achieved targets by cheating it also alleges she fired principals who failed to achieve goals and quote ignored suspicious test score gains throughout the school system a state review determined that some cheating had occurred in more than half the district's elementary and middle schools about 180 teachers were initially implicated in the scandal and abc news had a video about the teachers and administrators arrested so i'll play a clip from that
0: at one school they're accused of holding parties where they erased the wrong answers and filled in the right ones Prosecutors say Superintendent Beverly Hall is most responsible, firing teachers who failed to cheat and giving handsome bonuses to those who did. These educators are fighting real jail time. The superintendent alone could see up to 45 years in prison if she's convicted. She and her staff say they didn't know teachers were cheating. We are looking very forward to sharing the evidence that
3: will clear all of our names.
0: But today we met a former teacher who says administrators knew darn well what was going on they knew because we told them robin grant says she and six teachers were fired when they blew the whistle on their principal and others who were allegedly telling students when their test answers were wrong
3: we were fired for telling the truth
0: this investigation began after the atlanta newspaper found suspiciously skyrocketing scores from year to year and they found similar patterns across the country potentially so many parents who may not know if their children Need more help.
1: So that that's the part that really cheeses me off about all this. I mean, look, i am I'm not likely to gloat. Yeah, sort of I am. Because this shows what happens when we make test scores the end-all and be-all. And we attach, especially when we attach financial incentives to individuals or the threat of being fired if you don't reach these, you know, ludicrous marks for test score improvement. But really, the thing that bothers me the most is, you know, kids were getting scores they didn't deserve. They were declared competent when they weren't. They were declared proficient when they weren't. They were, the school system was pretending like they were doing a lot better than they really were. And this is the part that really disgusts me as an educator, is because we're putting falsehoods ahead of the truth. That's the last thing a school should ever do. Ah! So, and it's uh, this is all the tip of the iceberg. Mark my words. We're going to see this same sort of thing from school districts around the country because we already saw it in D.C. This is an article from ABC News also. D.C. finds cheating on tests at 11 schools. The district's office of state superintendent released results Friday from its annual audit of standardized testing in the city. It says critical violations of testing integrity were found at seven public schools and four charter schools. Test results from those schools will be thrown out. And Michelle Ree probably knew about it. USA Today had an article about memo warns of rampant cheating in D.C. public schools. District of Columbia public schools officials have long maintained that a 2011 test cheating scandal that generated two government probes was limited to one elementary school. But a newly uncovered confidential memo warns as far back as January 2009 that educator cheating on 2008 standardized tests could have been widespread, with 191 teachers in 70 schools, quote, implicated in possible testing infractions. The 2009 memo was written by an outside analyst, Faye Sandy Sanford, who had been invited by then-Chancellor Michelle. Ree to examine students' irregular math and reading score gains. It was sent to Ree's top deputy for accountability. And then in another article from the Los Angeles Times, Michelle Ree responds to these accusations. Ree said that although she, quote, didn't see the memo at the time, Consultant Sandy Sanford was writing a memo based on something we already broadly knew. She noted that the testing company had expressed reservations about the erasure analysis the memo relied on, and she added that later investigations found no widespread wrongdoing. End quote. So, I have no idea what she wrote, but it was obviously something everyone already knew, which was that there was probably something fishy going on. But when we looked into it, we couldn't find anything wrong. What's so confusing about that? Michelle Rhee is so full of crap, it makes my head spin. I don't understand how she's taken seriously. She's got this organization, Steedens Fish, which, first of all, that and I've probably railed about this before, but I don't care. I'm in a zone here, man. This is how I break my depression. Uh, She... Students first. What are you going to say in response to that? Students last. I want to start an organization called Students Last. I hate students. Students suck. I wish to see students tortured and maimed. Frack students. That's a good organization. We could combine the two. Yeah. Michelle Reed, come on. Seriously? Students first. I'm going to put short-term, unenlightened self-interest first. Yeah, that's a good organization for teachers. What are we going to say? Uh. So... This whole thing, she's like, oh yeah, and, and then she's like Sarah Palin, and Sarah Palin, as you know, is always talking about, don't talk about my kids, leave my kids alone, let's just discuss policy, blah, 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 but she's always bringing her kids out on the stage and shoving the microphone in their faces, so Michelle Rhee's doing the same thing. In the interview, Ree also confirmed that one of her two daughters attends a private school in Tennessee where the girls live with their father, the state's top education official. Ree is now married to Sacramento Mayor Kevin Johnson. She has previously described herself as a public school parent. An aide repeated that phrase when the Times asked directly if Ree's children were in public or private school. And here's the quote. I try to maintain some level of privacy for my kids by not divulging too much information, Ree said. I say I'm a public school parent when my kid goes to private school. That doesn't sound like you're trying to maintain some level of privacy. That sounds like you're being a freaking hypocrite and a liar like Sarah Palin when she talks about socialized medicine, go to Canada and see if that works. But when she lived in Alaska, uh, when she was nobody in Alaska, she used to slip across the border and get free health care in Canada. So which is it? God, these liars and these hypocrites, it makes me so mad. Lousy pipes won't freaking fit together. I wonder if I can find that clip online. Searching, searching. Nope, can't find it. Dang it. Oh, well. Um, There's an opinion piece at acampbell99.wordpress.com. And I know all of you probably go there every day to acampbell99.wordpress.com. But uh, they had a piece called, Why Khan Academy is the Wrong Answer. For those who don't know, Khan Academy is this YouTube channel, basically, where this guy and I suppose probably associates of his, because I can't imagine he does them all, but there's like thousands of videos up there about all sorts of subjects from math to English to history to whatever. And a number of people are touting this as a revolution in education because kids can just go there and watch a lecture and then go to class and they can have, you know, discussions or whatever. And there's nothing inherently wrong with that concept. Like, they're, okay, fine, that's fine. There's, okay, yes. We could use these online lectures as, you know, good things. But... As with so many parts of education reform, it's often presented as like, this is the golden ticket, that silver bullet, we're going to solve the education problem now. So, anyway, he starts with a quote from a guy named Nicholas Negroponte from a book called Being Digital. And he says, the quality of, excuse me, the problem with television lies not in the quality of resolution, but the quality of programming. And so here's what the guy writes. Uh, Before we solve a problem, it's important to make sure we're working on the right problem. We need to do the same when improving education. Popular efforts to improve education are focusing on the wrong problem. New uses of the Internet, Twitter, Facebook, etc., are social. Web 2.0 is about users interacting and collaborating. The power of YouTube is that users create, share, and discuss their own videos. That's what makes it unique. Using it to show lectures so students can watch their homework while playing World of Warcraft turns it into a TV channel, nothing more. Amen, dude. And that's it. Uh, Eight-year-old follows Tennessee lawmaker around the Capitol until he drops welfare, quote-unquote, reform bill. This was a beautiful moment of reaffirming our love of humanity. Rawstory.com. A Tennessee lawmaker has relented and agreed to drop his stupid bill, sorry, I added stupid, uh, linking academic performance to the family's welfare benefits after an 8-year-old girl shamed him by following him around the state capitol. On his way to vote on Thursday, State Senator Stacy Campfield, Republican, was confronted by 8-year-old homeschooler Amira Fatuga, who presented him with a petition signed by people opposing his welfare bill. You are so weak to not listen to a child, a parent said as Campfield walked away with the girl following. Why do you want to cut benefits for people, 8-year-old Fatuga asked after she caught up with him on a capital escalator. But the protest tactics may have worked because Campfield decided to withdraw the bill before Thursday's vote after several other former supporters began to express doubts. Now, I don't think this little girl can take all the credit, but that's pretty freaking cool. Way to go, little girl. What's your name? Amira Fatuga, you're awesome. Go on with your Violet bad cell! robotic beings rule the world. The humans are dead. Too bad you won't live to see dead. the future because the killer the robots are, are destroy dead. us all. They
2: look like they're dead.
1: But maybe you can How follow the killer done robots done. just
2: confirm that they're dead. So we
1: can
2: have fun. Affirmative. I poked one. It was dead.
1: Robot snakes can now wrap themselves around lampposts. And you know what's a lot like lampposts? The human neck! A robotic snake developed by researchers at Carnegie Mellon University has suddenly gained a frightening new power, the ability to hug things. Hug things. Last week, the university's biorobotics laboratory published a new video of its modular snake demonstrating the robot's ability to reactively latch onto objects. When thrown against a pole, the robot automatically wraps itself around it, securely grasping to it in a constrictor-like hold. There's video, kids! Now, the thing that horrifies me about this is I'm actually joking about the ability of these robots to latch themselves around our necks and suffocate us, although that could happen. The real danger is that they're going to make robotic pole dancers, then we'll have robot strip clubs, and it'll be like on Futurama, it'll be like, eh, eh, insert money, oh, big spender, yeah, Ch-chow, come on, and Fry's like, hey, get it off me! Uh, thanks to Jason, oh, about the connect powered therapist, what the hell is this? The Sim Sensei will track your body movement, expressions, and listens to your voice so that it can say... That's a bad series uh, creation there. Uh, so it will track your body movement and expressions and listen to your voice so that it can say, hmm, at the perfect moment to make you feel better. In other words, the the connect robot will look at your face and it'll go, hmm, you look worried. And then you'll go, yeah, I am, robot. And it'll go, tell me about it. And you'll go, oh, I don't know. It kind of feels like these robots are trying to hug my neck all the time. and it really cuts off my oxygen supply. And it'll go, hmm, I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, thanks also to Jay for uh, an article from 2010. Three-year-old news, that's what you're getting here. And eight-year-old news, boom, see what I did there? The little girl following him around. Uh, U.S. For, for, apologizes for infecting Guatemalans with STDs. I don't know why we should apologize for that. They should be thankful that we're giving them our valuable biological surplus. Uh, The United States apologized Friday in 2010 for a 1946-1948 to research study in which people in Guatemala were intentionally infected with sexually transmitted diseases. The scientific investigation called the U.S. Public Health Service Sexually Transmitted Disease Inoculation Study of 1946-1948 aimed at determining the effectiveness of penicillin in treating or preventing syphilis after subjects were exposed to the disease. Gonorrhea and chancres were also studied penicillin was a relatively new drug at the time the tests were carried out on female commercial sex workers prisoners in the national penitentiary patients in the national mental hospital and soldiers according to the study more than 1600 people were infected 696 with syphilis 772 with gonorrhea and 142 with chancres. what the hell is chancres? i've never even heard of that maybe i could look it up on google no that's not the way you look things up on google you stupid google how do you look it up on google Ah, curses, Google. You're trying to foil my ability to find out what chancrease is. Google doesn't want you to know about chancrease. Oh, here it is. Fortunately, I could use Bing to do a search for it. Actually, that's not true. I use Google, but I didn't put it into the search box. I was just trying to highlight it on Google Docs. But if you, you don't, normally, if you're looking at a website, you can highlight a word and then right-click it, and it'll say search Google for whatever this word is. But... It can't do that on Google Docs because it thinks you want to learn how to spell it right or create a link or whatever. So um, I had to copy it and then paste it in the search bar. God, what a hassle. Google, why can't you make my life easier? Uh, A chancre is a painless ulceration most commonly formed during the primary stage of syphilis. So it's syphilis. The infectious lesion forms approximately. This is disgusting. I'm not reading this out. Get away. Uh, anyway, that thing about Guatemala and us giving people syphilis in Guatemala reminded me of the Tuskegee syphilis experiment, which uh, fans of white supremacist biological warfare probably know all about. Uh, for those who don't know, the first article, a paragraph in the Wikipedia article The Tuskegee Syphilis Experiment was an infamous clinical study conducted between 1932 and 1972 by the U.S. Public Health Service to study the natural progression of unrelated syphilis in rural black men who thought they were receiving free health care from the U.S. government. Uh, The Public Health Service, working with the Tuskegee Institute, began the study in 1932. They were never told they had syphilis. Um... They the, 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 they enrolled a total of 600 sharecroppers from Alabama, 399 who had previously contracted syphilis before the study began, and 201 without the disease. Uh, the men were given free pre- medical care, meals, and free burial insurance. They were never told they had syphilis, nor were they ever treated for it. Uh, centers for Disease Control said the men were told they were being treated for bad blood, uh, Etc. Etc. et, cetera, et, cetera, et cetera. So, uh, the 40-year study was controversial for reasons related to ethical standards, yada, yada, yada. Anyway. So, yeah, important stuff about history. Also, thanks to J- For telling me about the new book, Frankenstein's Cat, about biotech's brave new beasts. And then there's this thing about the two wolves, uh, and, uh, yeah, there's this Indian... St- okay, so there's this story, and, um... It's quoted in this article, so I'll just read the article. Uh, so the author of the blog is a person named, I'm going to say this really badly, I'm sure, but I'll try. Uh, Wikosisan. that person is Métis from the Plains Cree-speaking community of Loch St. Anne, Alberta and here's what this person wrote i don't know if it's he or she anyway stories and sayings attributed to native americans have been floating around probably since settlers stopped spending all their time and energy on not dying i am not entirely certain why stories that never originated in any indigenous nation are passed around as native american legends but listener beware you've probably seen this one at least once an old cherokee is teaching his grandson about life a fight is going on inside me he said to the boy it is a terrible fight and it is between two wolves one is eager he is anger envy sorrow regret greed arrogance self-pity guilt resentment inferiority lies false pride superiority and ego He continued, the other is good. He is joy, peace, love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. The same fight is going on inside you and inside every other person, too. The grandson thought about it for a minute and then asked his grandfather, which wolf will win? The old Cherokee simply replied, the one you feed. Now, I'm just coming out of the article here for a second. What up, Tito? I'll feed you in a minute. Um, the, this, I think that's a decent story because it's true that we have two sides to our lives and our minds and our souls, and that we can affect how we see the world and what our nature is by what we encourage. So I think the basic root of the story is worthwhile. Now, that doesn't mean that we should believe every piece of hokum that we're told about this story. Recently, a Tumblr blogger, Pavor Nocturnus, did the world an enormous favor, favor and dug into the real origins of this Cherokee wisdom, quote-unquote, providing some excellent sources. The story seems to have begun in 1978 when an early form of it was written by the evangelical Christian minister Billy Graham in his book, The Holy Spirit, Activating God's Power in Your Life, end quote. So, yeah, I, 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 I'd like to—I wish it weren't Billy Graham that came up with that story, but it's possible he heard it from somebody else who heard it from somebody else. I mean, who knows? But it's not, probably not, a Cherokee story. It's not a Native American legend uh, as much as we would like for it to be. Uh, But it's, like I say, it's a cool story, and I I wish I could give a decent source for it. But instead, I have to say, like, okay, so there's this bullcrap version of the story that's often attributed to Cherokees that it's not. Um, but it's a decent point that it's making. That's the problem with stories and quotes. You go chasing them back and you find that Colette probably didn't actually say, look at that, which pleased you for a long time. And that which displeased you for a longer time. And then you go and try to find out like where this thing comes from. And you know, you can't find the original source and you're like, I can't say that. So and so actually said this, but it's a great quote. <sighs> Anyway, Sarah Palin's back for more. She had this great new uh, ad for her Sarah Pack called Loaded for Bear. I'm going to play you a clip because it's awesome. Sarah Palin stole the show at this weekend's CPAC. She stole event. the show! How I'll do a commentary the throughout bacon. the whole thing, she so you can't even hear it.
0: And she's used that to try to help get people elected. She is fearless. She is principled. Fearless. She can pick winners. She's definitely she's a prudent. kingmaker. to be effective endorsing Canada. Sarah Palin jumped in early and supported Rand Paul. She oh, thank God for Margo that! Rubia, but that's sucks because I do agree with Pat Rand Paul on the drone. but I don't agree with him on going to. Probably
2: going to win this thing. Thanks Historically, to Palin black university college. This music! Seat. A lot of that came from her. Oh, Damn,
1: I'm getting pumped. The big oh, oh, so inspiring. Big, oh, yeah, there's all these images of money. Like, like yeah, Republican you can trust Sarah Palin. She stands accountable accountable up for the, the little guy. Is Sarah this is the stupidest thing I've ever done on this show. Oh, You're talking over YouTube. Sarah Palin. We you can't hear you or her. This is so stupid.
0: Rebuilding the middle class. Rebuilding
1: the middle class, yeah. By getting government out of the way. And tune out the pollsters. Sarah Palin has no interest in the polls you don't let them invalidate you look at her standing on that raft we
0: the people at the constitution and that goes for finding there's a black person in this clip I counted one so far
1: city yeah who
0: are willing to She's building the future, saying to the old dogs, your time is absolutely She doesn't up. care
1: about the old dogs in the party. I don't care about old dogs either. Bear yeah, bear listen to that music. Yes.
0: And
1: but they show Obama, Obama to bowing to the and Saudi prince again. Fight. They this haven't used one one that in like three years. Power of Palin. Oh, yeah. She's man, not done yet, mobile. man! She's just changing involved, roles! Run themselves or support candidates they like. and Jen said, Kirkman said it's like it the end yet. of a zombie movie where everyone's like, oh, thank God away. she's gone. The no! They're going to be back! The zombies are not done!
0: I would not be in the U.S. Senate today if it were not for Sarah Palin. Oh, look at that bear! We haven't yet
1: begun to fight! You go get him, Sarah Palin! Hell yeah! And, you know, what more natural place to go next than hip-hop? Um, one, two, one, two,
3: um, um, oh it's, hip. it's bigger than hip-hop, 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 hill it's bigger than hill hop
1: Dude, this week I'm going to play you something from mod. He's awesome. Listen to this, just listen to this, just listen to this,
3: just
1: listen to this. <laughs> Actually, this is a sample from a song he did with Roskos and Saphir from the Street Fighter soundtrack called Come With It.
3: Come we with it. all around the planet pitching and no one hit I'm the first batter of them all. come with it. All around the planet pitching and no one hit it. I'm the first batter of them all. Well, then come with it. All the vibe keeps me boxed and funk makes it rock to the side gave it all i had just to have what i got trying to be bad and they mad because they not gonna defeat the rapper who got three ways to sack a quarterback slaughter Florida them sees what ease. these what you get and a
1: busted lips what you have when you come at me with bust Now, Ahmad only put out two albums in his lifetime, and the most recent one, I wasn't blown away by it, so I can't recommend you check that out. But his first album, self-titled Ahmad, is awesome. He's not what I would call, like, he's not very politically motivated, he doesn't have a whole lot of stuff about, like, society or economics or anything, but his flow is unbelievable, and for the most part, I mean, his stuff is, like, cool and funky, and it's not, like, it's not about guns and shooting people and, you know, getting bitches and hoes and money and stuff, so, like, he's just talking about, like, his life, and it's totally cool, and it's, uh, his, like I say, his flow is incredible, and he's the guy who made that back-in-the-day song, I'm always playing on the veteran gamers.
3: Back in the days when I was young, I'm not a kid anymore. But some days I sit and wish I was a kid again Back in the days when I was young, I'm not a kid anymore But some days I sit and wish I was a kid again Back in the days when I was just a little gigolo I looked up to my bigger bro, begged if I could kick it So when he went out with girls, I could go tagging along And if she had a sis, maybe could mac a baby hood rat Y'all remember way back then When it was 1985, all the way live, I think I was about 10 One of those happy little fools singing the blues That be your Always trying to bag with the shag and karate shit. Saying yo mama black, his mama this, his mama that. Then he get mad and want to crap. We stay mad about 10 minutes, then it's like back on the bike. To play hide and go get it with the younger souls. Fight the bungalows and switch to playing ding dong ditch when that gets old and too cold to hack it. Threw on a bomber jacket. You could tell the ballers because they fell wearing gazelles. If they really had money raised, we sports had they turkish link if it broke then they made earrings too like they meant to do it but sometimes i still sit and reminisce then think about the years i was raised back in the day back in the days when i was young i'm not a kid anymore but someday
1: so, yeah, he's just a really cool guy, and his flow is sick. So, you should definitely check out a mod for some funky hip hop stuff. And now it's time for the Court of the Rings. Prince, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. Stop repenting because the ending is near.
3: But don't panic. You can't function if you live in a fear. Pay attention. You got to listen to hear. Wait a child,
1: man. Hannah Arendt, born in 1906, died in 1975, was a German-American political theorist. Though often described as a philosopher, she rejected that label on the grounds that philosophy is concerned with, quote, man in the singular, and instead described herself as a political theorist because her work centers on the fact that, quote, men, not man, live on the earth and inhabit the world. And I'm sure that today she would say humans rather than men, but whatever. Here's the quote I have from her. Ideologies isms which to the satisfaction of their adherents can explain everything and every occurrence by deducing it from a single premise are a very recent phenomenon not before hitler and stalin were the great political potentialities of the ideologies discovered so put that in your pipe and smoke it. Ideological fanatics. I get so sick when I'm online and I'm talking about stuff. I was recently having a discussion with somebody on our economics, and they were like, Ugh, you use the word workers, so you must be a Marxist. Am I right? And I was like, dude, why are you going to slap me with a label? Why is that to be about ideology? Why can't we talk about the issue and try to find common ground instead of trying to use these labels to separate us? It's like Capital D said, I'm scared of isms, whether material, colonial, imperial, or rational. Each one is factional and leads to more casualties etc 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 all right whatever That's it, man. Tito's starving to death out here. i got to eat lunch. Show notes and links to everything in this podcast are on my blog, didactic synapse, fbesp.org slash synapse. Man, I almost made it under an hour. Oh, well. My website is the Floating Brain of Eric S. Piotrowski, which is at fbesp.org, with links to music I've made and fiction I've written and multimedia I've created and lots of other stuff. Shout-outs this week to Stu Leck for the Maria Bamford Girl on Guy interview. I still haven't listened to that, but I will. Uh for all the links and stuff. For those who don't know, that's Jason Gallagher. But for some reason, Stu and I on the Veteran gamer started calling him, Jigger! and so, uh, yeah, every time I screech like that, that's I'm referring to Jason G. Uh, I think at one point I just started writing Jason G in the show notes for this because I didn't know if he wanted his last name out there on this show because this show – gets into political. I don't know why he wouldn't want it. But anyway, uh, yeah, he said some very nice things on the VG Forum about this show, and I appreciate that. Uh, also, sh- I'll shout out the Duchess for being so incredibly awesome. She's so supportive and nice and loving and forgiving and sweet. And, uh, yeah, I don't I don't thank her enough for that. So, yay! Thank you for being awesome, Duchess. Uh, I don't have a lot of time to edit this thing, so I apologize if there are dumb things I forgot to cut out. I'm a very busy man. You're just going to have to Listen, deal with it. I don't it. have time to play with the phone here. I got a lot of stuff I got to get done. Thanks for listening, people. Please get in touch with feedback or questions or news articles or whatever. Uh, you can reach me on email at espfbesp.org at or you could tweet me at duke scath. I will stop talking now. now turn on. Didactic Syncast is a production of the floating brain of Eric S. Piotrowski, which is solely responsible for its content. This program is a joint venture of ribonucleic records and Garrison Multimedia. Our show is made possible by a grant from the Fargus Foundation. Some restrictions may apply. See sore for details. Fight the power. So powerful. Here, Tito! Here, boy! Now you don't want to be on the podcast? All right, fine, be that way. He's probably, like, staring into his food bowl, like, oh, I want some food. How about some treats? That podcast doesn't make a lot of sense. The Duchess will get that.